we're live. All right, welcome to Empathic Futures Lab, the show about designing human-focused futures for the environments we live in. Uh, today, I'm kicking off the intros. This is Christian. And this is Chris. And in today's episode, um, well, this is probably going to be a pretty wide topic. We'll end up seeing where that goes, because uh, we haven't really planned this one out as well as the other ones. But we're looking at uh, kind of like sensors and security. So particularly um, how uh, police officers and you know people that it's their job to protect the lives of uh, individuals in society, uh, how they are being you know geared up with sensors and all this information that um, or devices that tell you know people about what they're doing and when they're doing it and how that impacts their relationship. Uh, to the environments that they work in, you know, it's I guess it's a bit different than the architecture stuff that we're usually talking about, but it might be it might be kind of interesting, I think. Yeah, I think um, what might make this interest or more interesting or different is I, it's it's our first political or sort of political topic that we've taken. Uh, maybe the other ones have been a little bit political, but not really. This is this is sort of the first one, uh, but yeah. I think. You know, we're coming at it from a designer's perspective rather than a journalistic perspective or a a special interest group perspective or a policy perspective. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a little bit different of a conversation than than maybe usually surrounds this topic. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. So. Okay. go ahead. Well, maybe maybe we should get started here. Yeah. Well, I'd like to know. I guess because you approached me with this topic, I don't know if there's something that is this something that's been on your mind, or is this sort of because obviously there's been a lot of uh, security-related or gun-related topics in the news recently. Yeah, I mean, for the last eight days, um, yeah, definitely. But particularly, there was an incident with an off-duty police officer in Chicago. Uh, who was shot in the in the Thompson Center? Shot and killed, oh, actually. Really? Um, probably just over a week ago. Uh, it might be a week ago today, actually. Um, and this this just sort of you know, Jordan and I were Jordan, my girlfriend and I were talking about this, and she mentioned something where um, about you know, how these police officers, at least when they're on duty, you know, have so much information being drawn from them about what they're doing, um, uh, how they're doing it, you know, if you draw your gun, if you're pulling the trigger, if, um, you know, you get into body cams and and sort of these heart rate, like these uh, vitals of uh, of your health being monitored and everything, where is that all being sent? Is that being monitored? Uh, live or anything, you know. So, I um, I was just, I just thought it might be an interesting topic to talk about, you know, in light of all the unfortunate events that are happening, um, and maybe, maybe we can put a positive spin on it somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good point that you brought up that there's so much, so much information flowing from them, and I think there's also there's so much information flowing to them, right? You're, you've taken the whole yeah, scene visually. Point. You've taken the whole scene. 
audit auditory whatever hearing your hearing is whatever that word is um i don't know smell maybe plays a role into it like everything i think that really your senses can pick up about a scene they have to you know do that and and make sure that they're keeping themselves safe and everyone else safe right and and it's sort of this fishbowl effect too because while they're doing that they're being watched like you said and i don't know if anyone really performed well okay i think Maybe it takes some getting used to to perform well when you're getting watched, when you know you're being watched, right? It's like this, you know, you're you're on stage for everyone to see. Right, and that was that was one of the things that I read in one of these articles. So we we have these same sort of sensors that are being deployed on police officers. We have them, and you know, uh, the, another likely use beyond just. Uh, Oh, shoot, my website update. I don't know if you heard that. Um, another use beyond what the police officers, you know, might be using it for, even though that may be the most inevitable right now, is obviously for healthcare. Is um, I think I, one of the books that, one of the articles I posted was actually a book from Google. It's called Body Sensor Networks. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about what it mentioned there was that these these systems need to be designed to be as discreet as unnoticed as possible so that you don't augment your life and how you act normally um, and so you don't do that and then if you know if you do that influences uh, the information that it sends back to your healthcare provider right it's biased in that case right but you deploy these on police officers and they know it's there and it's not something that necessarily tries to be discreet and so it becomes extremely biased right right so that's i think that creates sort of an interesting conundrum at least for me in terms of you know the intentions for it being deployed in one way and the intentions for it being deployed in another right i mean you're always going to have these unintended unintended consequences right Right. of of every action and i think that's where coming at it from maybe a design perspective rather than a policy perspective or a human rights perspective is a little bit different not not to say that those aren't important incredibly important uh but as a designer do we do we say that we kind of have to look at it in a way sort of in this i don't know unbiased way and, and look at just kind of look at the information, try and empathize with both sides and, and and design our way out of this problem of like, how do we keep people safe? How do we keep cops safe? Ideally, we want a relatively win-win situation. I don't know if we could ever get a truly win-win situation. Right. So how, how do you do this to not, to not introduce bias, I guess? And so the information that's sent back, it's always going to have bias mm-hmm. in terms of how it's interpreted mm-hmm. um a really unfortunate example is like you know the camera like the smartphone camera videos that you see uh and in, in when one of these engagements happens and you know they even spend weeks upon weeks you know trying to you know reverse engineer how these situations occurred right um and even still, like it's not entirely clear once they get done with their investigation or whatever what exactly happened. Right. Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, it's like you'll never really understand what goes on in someone's mind. It's it, it's always it's always what will be shown on video. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have a really, I don't really have too many, any solutions to this, right? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably a question that everyone always asks about every study you, you do. Like, how do you, how do you reduce the change from everyday life? But it's such a perception thing that like, you kind of have to trick someone into thinking they're not being watched. You know? Or I was going to say like train them to the extent that it doesn't matter, but kind of always matters. I mean, even, even in sports. I don't know. Do the the players kind of get used to it, right? So yeah, but the thing is, I think you become more accustomed over time. But you'd still kind of you still operate differently. Even a, an athlete, and you, when you know you're being watched, maybe you you still operate differently. It's it's not uh, differently in a good way. In some cases, sure, you're maybe less profane or not you know giving anyone the middle finger. You're not going to punch someone out on national TV, but maybe it also adds to the amount of showmanship a player has or just kind of the intensity overall and and those things are probably not things that you really want in a police situation added intensity or showmanship or sort of the look at me kind of thing yeah definitely that that introduces a really really good question is if if this is public information does it become like police snapchat in a way yeah. Where it's, you know, it it's one of these unintended consequences that it just gets misused. So I think right now the data from any of these that I've read is the data is encrypted and it's only ever used when, you know, there's been an incident and uh, the information needs to be recalled. Right, you dig it up and... But why why shouldn't that information be... Why I guess in terms of public servants, why wouldn't that information be public? I don't know, that's, that's actually... I, I, I'm trying to think of reasons in terms of, like, privacy. Yeah. But, I don't know. But, like, any time that these incidents happen... Yeah, like, what I do don't you... know where, like, these videos come from, but they always seem to be posted online. Right, like, what are you trying to hide, I guess? That's the question that sort of brings... Maybe the other side of the equation is... If I'm doing my job, I don't want to be watched and judged every second because I'll perform differently, as we've as right. we've discussed. Perform, but like, I mean, do you even perform worse when you're, you know, under constant scrutiny? I'm sure you. I'm sure that's the argument, and and I might. I, I'm going to be honest, but I think I know, would. The other side of the argument is, what do you have to hide? That's what makes it so hard. Yeah. Um, okay, so from from a design perspective, though, is there a way we can sort of? It's it's really interaction design, right? How do you interact with these? Uh, and, and you know, there for that gun article. So the background for that was some. It was from the Smithsonian, right? The, they're putting yard 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 arms. Yeah. Putting a tracker in your gun. Manufacturer, um, yeah. Right. So that, yeah. That's kind of cool. You're you're anonymizing data all the time, and then encrypting it or whatever, and then as soon as you you kind of associate being out on patrol with potential problems if a gun is drawn or I guess what they use a gyroscope to notice if the nose is pointing straight out as opposed to down you know that's probably yeah there's accelerometers um I think at least one of these articles that I found mentioned um like pressure sensors of some sort knowing if the triggers you know telling if the triggers pulled Mm -hmm. um or how the gun's gripped or whatever um there's one that it it uh, it detects how if the gun's actually pulled out of the out of the holster as well. Right, and, um, and it's sort of framed in a way as a officer safety thing, in that you know, 
you pull the gun and it knows to call for backup, right? If you're out on a bout, which I think is... Right, that's one way to frame it. Yeah, or, or it's a tracking thing. And the, the reason I bring that up is, you know, there was that other, uh, I think it was the Design Boom article talking about the Dodge Charger and, and how that they're implementing the ability for the Charger to recognize if someone gets up behind you. Right and and right. you're not gonna supposedly you're not gonna be able to be jumped, um, and I'm wondering from an interaction standpoint and from a perception standpoint, like you're de- sort of designing you know the environments of these cops in a way that maybe they feel a little bit safer. They know there's not someone if they kind of let their guard down for half a second, there's not someone behind them. If they draw their gun, maybe they're gonna have someone come to their rescue pretty quickly um, without them having to you know, think about calling for backup. I'm wondering, is that more of the way to frame this conversation and say that each of these little increments is more about officer comfort, right? It's like, we're not trying to be out to get you. We're trying to, in some ways, protect you. But I think, you know, and, and, and that's sort of the conversation now in protecting the officers. And maybe, and maybe that leads to acquittals that or is that the right word? Officers getting let off the hook when they shouldn't be let off the hook. But, you know, is it framing the state of mind here just a tad and in, in reverse instead of surveillance? It's more of like protection for them or insurance for them. But obviously knowing that if they step out of line, there's not going to be any handholding. It's just, you know, you're out of line. Right. Um, I Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, there was the, what that the Dodge Charger article mentioned was the possibility, I think it was that one, that um, you it, it trains you to be less vigilant. Right? It trains you such that you're less careful, maybe. Or that, at least that was sort of the counterpoint. Yeah, there was that sort of talk on safety features. de-skilling, right? Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah. That might be true. I, you know, you'd never want to be over reliant on technology, but does that come down to, in some ways, the design of technology and the design of the interface to say, hey, we need to? I don't know how you do that, but I think there's got to be a way that you can design an interface that that sort of helps you keep your skills sharp. Yeah, and I think because it's got to be more of a fail safe than something that takes over for you, right? Right, and I think what one of the articles that we read for this did mention. We could post all of them. I don't we know should post all really of them. Like good, but um, there's there's some interesting bits here and there. But one of the articles we did meant that I did find it mentioned that uh, sort of not doing this doing this design in such a way that it doesn't inundate the police officers who are already dealing with massive amounts massive amounts of inputs. Mm-hmm. And in terms of making a decision, and mm-hmm. so, you know, and that and that's that's controversial in and of itself. It's like what caused the officer to make the decision they did, and mm-hmm. you know, there's skill, there's experience, there's training, and then there's all the factors that influence them right at that, you know, split second moment. Right. But right. one of the articles did mention as an interesting design point, actually, was that they don't the officers don't need to be inundated with more text and information and stuff really while they're in these situations which you know having this massive amount of censoring information and you know how that information gets shared with you as an officer in one of these situations you know that's that's probably pretty key design thought 
that you have simple cues for things that are happening. Okay, so it's so you, okay. You simplify the way in which you tell someone this information, so, you know, in the most intuitive way possible. And one one way that I would describe this, and um, it's really similar to, uh, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Origins, right? But it's really similar to how it tells you there's a person outside your perspective viewpoint in the game. What it does is it does a little light. It highlights the side of the screen with like a light, like you know, little little like feathered bubble thing. Right. right. Just sort of it just sort of lights up that side of the screen a little bit, and it you know it tells you that uh, someone's there, someone's coming after you or whatever. Right. And I think I thought that was a pretty interesting observation uh, regarding you know this you know the safety yeah. of these people, and then than how you deal with that from a design perspective. Right. And, and that's always, you know, I, I think we'll, hopefully we'll get better at interfaces like that, right? I, obviously, I think video games are a great example of that, right? Because they're dealing with how do you display off-screen information all the time because you don't really have the peripheral vision that yeah. you do in real life. And I'm sure that AR and VR designers are, are going back to video game HUD just because they're, they've been around for so long. Um, but in, in a real life situation, does that make you kind of look off to the left in a half second too soon? You know, things like that. But yeah, I don't think that'll take a lot of study to figure out. Maybe you're right. But I think what I was thinking about when you were talking, you, I think you bring up a really good point in terms of the stress, in terms of simplifying information. Uh, but if you kind of connect that to this de-skilling idea and, and, and your skills degrade over time, if you're reliant on this technology is like, Going back to this idea of how do you moderate stress and information that's coming to coming to someone, whether that's you know in this case a police officer or something you'd brought up earlier, a doctor in the in the hospital or something like that, right? So um, we know that there's a healthy amount of stress in a person's life that you know brings them to the requisite amount of intensity or uh, gets their brain moving challenge. at the right speed right it's enough of a challenge that it it kickstarts them it turns them on a little bit to the challenge right. um so i'm wondering is there a way that you could design a system like this for cops where it says okay so we know and maybe this is slightly personalized to the individual officer based on their strengths based on their personalities based on their weaknesses we know how much stress is like your optimal amount of stress or what range of stress is your optimal amount of stress. And beyond that, maybe the system starts to kick in and give helpful cues and, and simplify information down for you to kind of pick up the slack of things that you are maybe known to miss. And then, and if, if that's not far enough, maybe it kicks in and takes over certain roles for you that you're just not able to handle because you're otherwise engaged but this information hits you and it needs to be resolved or needs to be taken care of. Like, is that a good way to sort of amplify or extend what human humans are capable of? It's not so much taking over for them as much as picking up when it's overly burdensome. Huh, that's really interesting. It can definitely be triggered by the sort of sensors that we have right now, right? Yeah. Like a heart rate sensor. Like, that's, that's sort of the most basic way that... You right, and you'd kind of, I, I would imagine as a cop, you'd have enough training sessions, and obviously training is different from real life, but you maybe, right, you could you could 
train over time to understand where are you strong, where are you weak, uh, what situations do some of these things come to bear, and can you, I don't know, I don't know if you want to say completely take over the weaknesses, because obviously you don't want someone to just ignore and let those things atrophy completely, but in times of need, do you give a little extra attention to those things with an algorithm or something that, or some sort of automated system that takes over that task. I think that's definitely a really, really good point. And one thing that I had thought about in relation that I think would work really well in relation to this um, is, you know, every time that we have one of these things, you have to kind of think about how would people exploit this? How could it be exploited, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think the idea is really interesting and sort of we're, you know, edging into RoboCop territory, I guess. But, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but, I mean, this is, maybe this is stupid to, to even say. No, say it. Say but, it. you know, the fact that you have a cop running around that with sensors and everything that can be hacked, right? And, and someone could possibly tap into this person and completely manipulate the way in which they're acting as you know um and, and I sort of go to maybe there's a black mirror episode or right. whatever that you know changes the way in which you perceive the people around you right well hopefully hopefully that i mean, I mean security is security so security is always going to be an issue right say, but yeah hacking and and you know, cyber threats are always going to be an issue. And yeah. and that's just down to whatever product is being used, making sure that they're up to the challenge. I don't know. I think you could pretty much say that about everything. Yeah, that's that's why like, I wasn't... Yeah. It was just sort of a thought of like, I, the scenario that I had. But, I, I mean, yeah, you could say it about anything, and it's, it's, it would just be ex- extremely unfortunate. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a good thing to bring up just because someone's going to bring that up at some point, right? And, you, and when you look at it, it's true about everything, and if that's really your main concern, you should just be worried about everything at this point. Yeah. Because yeah. your car is a computer. Your computer is a computer, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the other, the other thing is hopefully, and I don't know what this technology is going to, if it's going to be implemented, what form it's going to take, but hopefully... If someone hacks it, they're not going to be able to color your perspectives of people or how you influence how you see the world. So much as like, I'm wondering if like the way I'm thinking about this is it leaves the human like your human mind completely intact to the extent that you're able to take on a lot of these moral questions that you know obviously we're the reason we're having this discussion to some extent is a failure of these moral questions, but. Um, hopefully re- relaxing on the stress will bring people's morals back up to at least societal standard or whatever that means, but kind of okay. ease the burden on that. But like, instead of automating perception of the world, is it automating like simple tasks for them? Like check your blind spot or uh, reload your gun or um, patch it or like send a message to a partner. Or, you know, I don't know what, exactly needs to happen i'm no expert so really in anything that doesn't have an ethical yeah to it yeah that makes a lot of sense and I, now yeah. that you sort of reiterated this again you know it the idea that if you're lowering the stress levels of someone if you're if if you're doing something in which you can lower their stress level or um work with their body such that the stress doesn't you know 
peer is high or right. you know, feel is high. You want it to be manageable it stress. To make a more reliable decision. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a really fascinating idea. Right. It's it's trying to manage stress in a way that you're able to comprehend the information coming your way. And I'm sure there are a lot of routine things that in the past are sort of taken over by training, right? So it's just muscle memory or, or even right. um, just sort of how you position yourself, muscle memory. Um, but I would also think that some of these things, if they're not trained well enough, or some of the things that are maybe on the edge of that training and like communication standards or whatever, like you might just forget about that because you're under high stress. And can you say, suppose someone is under high stress and you know, they forget about this often. Can you kind of help them out with just those things? And just if they forget about it Um, and, and hopefully, you know, nine times out of 10, they're not so stressed that they forget about it. So they're still building these skills, but on the 10th time, if it does happen, you know, there's a fail safe. Yeah. I wonder if, so kind of like a flight control center, let's think about it like that. Yeah. Except, okay, go ahead. Sorry. I watched the movie Sully recently, and there was at least a couple scenes that were focused on the flight control center and everything was like normal business in the flight control center until something started happening. Yeah. And then and in which case, everyone in that center is really focused on this problem and how, and how they can sort of think about ideas to deal with it. So let's let's take that scenario in terms of an officer in an active situation. Yeah. Do do the people at the officer control center have any control or um, like do they have the ability to turn off the officer's gun? Do they, you know, I, I would hope that in this situation that that wouldn't be necessarily be the case. I don't think you want to micromanage officers to that point, right? I think part of maybe what makes surveillance so difficult is if you're the one being surveilled and it's kind of framed to you as we are watching everything you do, is that a lack of trust that, yeah, you know, no, it, it kind of changes your, your thinking a little bit. So I think you want to, at least from my perspective, it makes more sense to frame this as we are helping you. Um, do your job better than we are trying to make sure you don't do your job poorly, right? I, I definitely agree with that, but I don't know what keeps you from doing that. Yeah, maybe maybe there is there need there maybe there needs to be a disable the gun feature, but I think the problem with that is you're not in that situation, and, and exactly. what if someone does pop out the minute you know? Maybe someone can leverage that and say officer pulls gun not the right time disable the gun and someone pops out of the bushes then that guy's totally screwed um but what i was thinking of when you said that is you you talked about how you're in the flight control center and something goes haywire and everyone's focusing their attention on fixing it right and it's like well who's going to do who's actually flying the plane if everyone's trying to solve the problem um and i think that's kind of the situation where this might be helpful it's like who's actually flying that plane. Maybe then the computer's flying the plane more, but when the problem's solved, the people kind of take over a little more control and fly the plane. Right, but when it comes down to that ethical question, shoot or not, yeah. I think that's where it's, you know, there's always those like, it comes. It, there's always those questions with the robots, right? It's like an AI with the automated, the self-driving right. car, do they hit someone or do they not hit someone based, you know, like the, hit one person of the crowd, right? And and who's to say, you know, we know that an AI 
at least at this point, or for the foreseeable future, is not going to be able to answer that question. So you're replacing one person with another person, right? And one person is kind of completely removed from the situation. Um, and maybe right, right so now's situation, that might make sense. But hopefully in the future, if we were able to implement this stress management system, maybe that makes less stress or makes less sense. I don't know. Well, the thing is, is, you know, we talk about the way in which you, you know, take in information from the environment. Mm -hmm. And so there's intangible things that we probably wouldn't be able to measure that are part of the environment that that officer is in at that time, you know, in addition to the stress that they're experiencing. Right. I guess when I'm coming, another thing that I think is bringing up and that's kind of coloring my or coloring my view on this, even though I haven't brought it up right yet and articulated it yet, is I think I don't. If I'm putting someone in a situation where they might feel like they need a gun, I don't want to take away control of that situation from them just because they are there and if they are functioning correctly, I should be able to make them try. I should be able to trust them to make the right decision and they should be able to make the right decision much more quickly than me, someone who is outside of the situation. Now, perhaps in the future, I'll be wearing some VR headset that can put me 100% in that situation. Um, But that still means if I'm going to stop the trigger, I either have to do it well beforehand or I have to pull that stop button faster than they can pull the trigger. Yeah. And I don't know... Even if that is the case, if that's really a worthy trade-off, I think you you have to play the trust card and just say. I'm no, I agree. Sure. I think you're right. I don't think that you can have someone. I, I I don't think that you should have someone that's sitting at a desk that gets to make the decision. Yeah, it's just they're never going to be in that right situation. I think it's designing for the context. With that said, once you take the officer out of the field, it's a whole other, it's a whole different story. Oh, yeah, I think for the most part you can control their guns. Yeah. Um, but that comes down to a whole other thing that that is much more political. Yeah. Um, probably. Probably. So, let's see. Yeah, another thing that I, another thing that I thought was really interesting um, was in this BBC article they were talking about police turning to this sort of digital surveillance, the sensor network, the data collection yada yada as a way of sort of minimizing costs of the police departments yes um, and i thought yeah, that, that was, was like the first it was well, part, right? right it was the first part and i thought that was extremely fascinating um from the sense that i mean there's probably two reasons that you lower the budget to the extent that cost becomes a problem and you'd have to turn to digital solutions for cost reasons one of them being you actually just don't have the money in, under your taxes and to pay the police officers and maybe the second one being that um, you just don't want as much police, right? You want less surveillance, so you take police off the street. But I just thought that was kind of ironic that if you were paying police departments less in order to have less surveillance or in order to have less police protection, you're almost kind of doing the opposite by introducing this sensor network or data collection into their arsenal or forcing it into their arsenal a little more than maybe it otherwise would be forced into their arsenal. Yes. Just food um, for thought there. That, I had a comment about that. Um, where, you know, if, if you do that, then, you know, he essentially taking the officer out of, you know, that's that, that direction is definitely like moving towards taking the officer out of the field. Um, 
and then you you still have the ethical questions, but you know you you as a person are removed from it. But I guess the question is is the bias that we have in obtaining that information, how that information is interpreted when you obtain it as an officer um, versus using tools to obtain this information. Like we, we have to, we, we kind of have to approach this from the perspective that there's a necessity of being in the physical space, right? Uh huh. Of being in the situation that, um, and, and you can relate that to memory and experience. You know, if you don't have that, if you remove that, um, essentially, does does that change how you make your decisions? Yeah, I don't know if I have a really. I mean, I I guess by default you're right. We kind of have to assume that it does. So I don't I don't know if I'm totally in favor of just taking police officers off the streets in favor of you know using, you know, at least totally using other, you know, technologies to obtain that information. I guess. Right. Okay. So. So. Yeah. Taking officers off the street, you're you're kind of losing that human connection. Um, yeah. The, I mean, the sort of then, relationship yeah. that you would never really get. I I've seen this in a couple articles now, and I don't remember exactly when or where I read those. I've seen them in a couple articles now that they're talking about sort of the neighborhood cop, the beat cop, the guy who kind of walks through your neighborhood and knows who you are. The guy that's and, a part of the community. Right. So you're able to make quick trigger. Uh, I don't know, decisions about whether well, this you person... Well, people. Right, you know people. You can make decisions about whether this is shady or not shady immediately right. or more immediately and, and more intuitively. But obviously, as cities grow and, and more people move into them, do you need more cops to do that? And I, 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 you definitely need more cops to do that because you need more people to make relationships as more people are there. So, Right, and I mean... Unfortunately, police officers have been kind of, I mean, not necessarily, maybe unfortunately isn't the right word, but police forces in general, I think, have been sort of dealt a bad rap the past couple, you know, ten, five, ten years or so at least. Right. It's almost that... Uh, but, I mean, that's because a couple couple bad apples, right? Well, that, and it's almost that... that... Uh, kind of phenomenon where if it works well, it doesn't get any news, and if it works badly, it does get news, right? It's the yeah. same. It's it's. I don't know what you. It's kind of like the utilities in a way, right? It's it's yeah. a public utility. If your electricity fails, you hate it. If if it keeps working, you just kind of accept it and take it for granted. And maybe that's why it's so hard to design for these problems, because it's you know, and and maybe that we had talked a few right around New Year's about design solutions in the future and. One of those was like politics startups, and hopefully maybe this is one of those places where politics startups kind of take hold because there's definitely opportunity here for people who care. Yeah, uh, I think. All right, so the reason I was mentioning like the idea that they, you know, have been seen unfavorably recently um, was, you know, part of that. Part of my point there was that, you know, it's it's not necessary. Having police is not a bad thing. <laughs> right, right. And inherently, right? Right. Um, and it, it, maybe, maybe what we could, maybe we could end up doing is, you know, in, in sort of how you flip this argument of how you make this, how do you make a police officer's life safer? How do you, how do you make it appear, or how do you make people believe that they're actually there to protect you and the part of you know, a helpful part of the community and are not people that are there just, you know, 
to incarcerate people. Right. Um, and and so, I, yeah. I mean, one of the things like using this information, you know, using the wealth of intelligence and still having guys walk the beat or whatever, but maybe, you know, they know that they don't have to be as vigilant. They can be less on guard and more friendly. More about way. building relationships. Yeah. So, the, yeah. yeah, I think that kind of goes so back to this. Right. It kind of goes back to this point earlier about managing stress levels and managing roles and when you talked about bringing officers off the street because of surveillance drones, like, do you say that, yeah, you, you kind of, in a way, bring officers off the street for sensor networks and surveillance drones because they can kind of keep track of all the, all the stupid stuff, and then you let, not stupid stuff, but, you know, the routine or things that are easily processed by lower gray areas or less less fast reaction times sort of just sort of the maps populace but then do you let the beat cops do you introduce more beat cops and let them sort of just make relationships and and that's their focus and right and and then their secondary focus is when a drone or a sensor network catches something then these people go out and take care of it but yeah are you are once again are you designing uh, kind of designing around this technology to give people the things that are most useful to themselves or that they're best at and also most useful to the community around them and that that's probably the relationship that a cop has yeah and and i, I suppose you could make the argument that not all cops are people persons in a way maybe they're sort of gruff or whatever but it's always good to have some amount of trust and some amount of like client-facing relationships are well. Yeah, think about it. If there's, if you increase the the amount of trust that the community has with its police force, you know, you flip this whole problem. Yeah, yeah. You want you, then they know in a way that this officer is working for them, and the surveillance is working for them, and it's not. And once again, it's a perception thing. It's surveillance to keep you safe, not to prove you did something wrong. Yeah, and and that's sort of the opposite of what we were talking about earlier. In this case, it's for the public's sake rather than the cops' sake. Or I mean, and I, I say that because, or I say that in the way that they're both about both, but you know, obviously, yeah. one's more focused than the other. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting solution. Is and and hope maybe that's something that you know, government sort of learns from the learns from the private sector is you can kind of automate a lot of this routine stuff and, and let the people do the people things, make the relationships, build the trust, um, l- make sure people know you're on their side and trying to do the right things. Yeah. And, and just hear people, right? Yeah. Throw a pizza party every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Free pizza Mondays, you know, and hopefully, if there's more trust, people are willing to have these conversations before they turn into mudslinging matches, too. You know, that'd be great. Yeah. All right, any other <laughs> things to talk about? I think that might be all that, might be all. that yeah. I have of today's episode of Fixing the World. Yeah. No, that's good. It was a much better conversation than I think it was, I thought it was going to be. I think this idea of managing stress and and giving machines or allowing machines to take over these roles that you might just not be able to take on at the time, even if you're right. ta- able to take them on 90% of the time. I think that's an interesting and useful idea. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, I had some other minor points, but it's nothing nothing that would really benefit the conversation at this point, I don't think. Okay. Sounds good. So this is our last conversation till the second week, week of March, right? I believe so. Alright, and that's because... And that's short uh, break. Yeah, Christian will be taking an ARE exam. Wish him luck. Um, we would also appreciate it if you ranked us or rated us on iTunes just to, you know, spread the word that we are good, or, I mean, if you didn't like us, obviously say you didn't like us, but... Yeah. Maybe send us a private email. Yeah, send, tell, us, <laughs> tell us why if you didn't like us. Otherwise, we'd love to get a rating so that we get some more followers. And uh, But yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, um, I think this was... This was definitely different, but I think it, it sort of went better than I really thought it would have gone. Oh yeah, I think, I think that's kind of the thing. As long as we can frame these things around design, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>